0: hey stranger the opus is moving out and into a new season as we continue to explore the ongoing legacy of music's most iconic records i'm your host adam unz and this season we're celebrating the 45th anniversary of billy joel's fifth studio album the stranger a record whose critical and commercial success catapulted the piano man to superstardom Helping us explore this classic collection are artists like Billy Joel's drummer Liberty DeVito, Regina Spector, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Razi, Lissy, the Hells, Bayside's Anthony Renari, and Ben Folds. Great music shapes lives, shakes rafters, and embeds itself into our culture. So let's find out why only the good die young as we deep dive into the stranger. The new season is out now and is brought to you by the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy Recordings. Find us at consequence.net or wherever you get your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. This week, I've got quite a treat for you. I'm chatting with comedian and actor Helen Hong about her spark, Star Trek The Next Generation. This was an absolutely lovely chat. We talked about representation and entertainment. We talked about infighting between Star Trek fans. Helen schools me on the pronunciation of George Takei's name. Uh, It's an all around incredible conversation, and I cannot, I will not make you wait for it any longer. So let's dive in. Quick Helen facts Helen Hong is an American stand up comedian, actress, director, and producer. She has appeared in projects such as Jane the Virgin, Parks and Recreation, and the Cohen Brothers Inside Lewin Davis. She has a regular spot on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and her new special, Well Hong, premiered at the Tribeca Festival and is available on demand right now. Quick Star Trek The Next Generation facts. Star Trek The Next Generation is an American science fiction television series created by Gene Roddenberry. It originally aired from September 28, 1987 to May 23, 1994 in syndication, spanning 178 episodes over seven seasons. The third series in the Star Trek franchise, it is the second sequel to Star Trek The Original Series, set in the 24th century when Earth is part of the United Federation of Planets. It follows the adventures of a Starfleet starship, the USS Enterprise, in its exploration of the Milky Way Galaxy. And there you have it. Why don't we dig into the main course? Let's do it. Here comes my chat with Helen Hong about Star Trek The Next Generation. I know it's a little bit harder with this because it's not like a single point in time necessarily. But do you remember like starting to watch this show or getting turned on to it?
2: I was maybe in middle school, I guess, maybe even younger actually, because I had I think it like I had never been a Star Trek fan. Mm. Um, My parents are South Korean immigrants, so they don't consume american media because they don't you know they don't speak it's not their native language and it's not their native culture so i didn't know anything about star trek i think the og series like i think i might have seen it on the tv a few times like in syndication stuff Mm -hmm. but i wasn't like a star trek fan um but i think i I had already started to become a sci-fi fan in the sense that i read a wrinkle in time you know, that series of books and mm-hmm. I really loved it. I loved yeah, yeah. like fantasy, fantasy and, 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 and sci-fi and stuff like out of outer world kind of things. Um, and I also I didn't have a bedtime, which is an interesting thing that a lot of immigrant families don't have. Right. Like a lot of immigrant fam- you could ask, like, poll any of your immigrant immigrant friends. <laughs> Like a bedtime is a very specifically like I feel like white American thing mm-hmm. for some reason. Even like Europeans, I don't think they're really that keen on having like a kid's bedtime right. in the way that American families are like at seven o'clock, you're going to bed. Like I never <laughs> had that. And so I just remember being up late <laughs> watching TV, like even at a really young age. And so. This was when Star Trek The Next Generation was in prime time, and I was pretty young. But I just remember, like, being able to turn on the TV and watch whatever, you know, the three channels that were on at the time. Sure. Yeah. And I just immediately gravitated towards it. Like, I don't remember the first time I watched it, but I just remember, like, I remember uh, kind of flipping the channels and I was like, ooh, what is this? And then... I think I started really getting into it because I no- started noticing like some of the background actors were Asian
3: mm.
2: and stuff and like, you know, women also like there was like, you know, women were playing these like strong badass characters and there were people in, in like prosthetic makeup that I thought was really cool and different colors and then um, in later seasons, the character of Keiko O'Brien started getting like a regular series arc mm. and she was to me just a magical person because she was Asian American. She spoke perfect English. She didn't speak English with an accent. She wasn't like a Chinese food restaurant worker or doing kung fu, which is at the time in the 90s, like that's all the Asian characters were, you know, that's all the Asian characters you could see on TV were like they either had heavy accents and they were like waitresses at the Chinese food restaurant or they were doing kung fu. Mm. And so for me, just seeing her was super magical. I was like, oh, she's like me. She mm. speaks perfect English and she doesn't do kung fu. <laughs> so, And I think I had already wanted to be an actress at the time. I, I was like I wanted I was the lead in like my first grade play. And I was like, ooh, I like being the center <laughs> of attention and I like being on stage and I like having people all these like eyes on me. So. I think I had already like wanted to be an actress and had told had taken like drama classes in in middle school and it, I remember one time I was I came home from drama class in middle school and went to my parents and was like I want to be an actress and they went what <laughs> And that was it. That was like the end of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah, I don't remember a single time like I don't remember like specifically the exact moment but i just remember it being really magical seeing Kiko o'brien yeah
0: Yeah. and i guess you know that totally makes sense with shows like that that are on for a long time that you watch when you're a kid it's not like i remember the exact moment that it happened it's just like something that was kind of in your life and around and made you happy and whatever um there uh, i think across the board um Star Trek, there can be a case made for it being a good place for representation. But um, especially the first two series, I think uh, uh, The Next Generation kind of solidified um, what the first series had started. Because the first series, you know, it's a little campier um, and... It's
2: deeply misogynistic.
0: Totally. So there's all of these really problematic things about it. But... You have George Takai and Nichelle Nichols. And again,
2: right. it's, by the way, I have to correct you. It's George Takei.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry. And
2: the reason why I have to correct you is because I just moderated a panel with him at a Star Trek convention. And he made it very clear. It's Takei. It's Takei. And he like, you know, he has like famous beef with... Um, with a wait why am i blanking william shatner his uh-huh. fam- famous beef with him yeah and one of one of his points of contention with william shatner is that he purposely refused to say it correctly so william shatner was the one who was like it's takai like he said takai for years and george was like so peeved at him like you know it's takai i have corrected you many times right so so like he wants to make sure so i'm helping him spread the message that it's to K, not Takai.
0: I appreciate it and I'm probably yeah. I have I've been a victim of William Shatner's propaganda. Yes. Um, he seems like I mean I know he's like 95 or something now but he's always seemed like kind of a cantankerous asshole.
3: Yeah. Um
0: and yeah. the things that he said about Star Trek the Next Generation that it's like this isn't real Star Trek and you know <laughs> I think it was a little green-eyed monster stuff going on but Yeah. Um yeah anyway like you know uh having Asian characters and black characters who were not stereotypes. And I think, you know, the idea that it was in space in the future kind of lended itself to uh, not necessarily needing to include stereotypes because it's like, it, it it doesn't really relate to the world that we're living in now in that way.
3: Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah. Gene Roddenberry was really a visionary in that mm. way. And in the initial pilot, Um, he had, uh, the, the initial pilot that didn't even have William Shatner, the one with, uh, Captain Pike, Mm -hmm. his, his second in command was a woman. Mm -hmm. And then he, he faced so much pushback from the network being like, this is too, it's too feminist. Mm -hmm. Like it's too much for us. And so Gene Roddenberry actually was more of a feminist than a lot of that show would lead us to believe because he wanted... He wanted to be it uh, to be more feminist, and he was the one that pushed. We want an Asian character. We want a black female character. Like we, he was the one that was really the driving force, and he kind of had pushback from the network and just bigger forces of society were like, "You can't have a woman be the second in command." And he's like, Ugh, "Fine," right. <laughs> you know. So he tried to fight his battles, and he did. He he really. I mean, the fact that George Takei was in the '60s an Asian American character that was not stereotyped and Michelle you know Michelle Nichols like huge props to him for that
0: yeah and it, in a way like i i don't know i'm i feel uh, conflicted when people you know the uh, there's a play uh i can't remember uh recent Broadway play where they were talking about colorblind casting and how it's just really important to never acknowledge race in casting at all. And it's like, I think it's kind of um, like, I understand that it's coming from a good place and wanting to say anybody can play any part, but race is real. And
2: yeah, that's. That's absolutely, yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, theoretically, sure, that is, if we lived in a perfect world where everyone was colorblind and race blind, sure, that theoretically makes sense, but we don't live in that world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, casting people and people who are in positions of casting have. You know have their stereotypes and prejudices whether they know that it or that you know whether they know it or not Mm -hmm. so there which is why we have nepotism which is why we have like you know like oh my friend would be great in that well your friend happens to be a white guy right because you're a white guy (laughs) and most hence most of your friends are white guys so that's the danger with that is that Mm -hmm. we don't live in a colorblind world we wish that we did but we don't and so Barring that we don't live in a colorblind world, then you can't have colorblind casting. It doesn't exist. Right. So then, so then, the second best thing is purposely, you know, just being mindful, mindful casting. I would say, right, is, is what is the is what we should have.
0: And in a situation like this, where uh, again, because it's you know set in the future, it's uh, you know intergalactic space travel, the. Idea, and I, this was another thing that Gene Roddenberry was very specific about, like avoiding interpersonal con- conflict right. amongst the crew. That it was like he didn't want any any drama or conflict. He his vision was that in the future everyone had was enlightened enough to right. have moved past interpersonal conflict right. with the people they knew. So removing all of that kind of it doesn't allow room for. Yeah. Racism or um you know it it is that ideal world where people yeah. you know the the differences that people notice is like oh this is somebody who's an alien um rather than right. the differences between people.
2: Well that's what um that I've I've watched a lot of documentaries and like you know like oral histories of, of of like the the history of Star Trek and stuff and that's what um the powers that be say that was missing in the first two series of Star Trek: The Original Series and The Next Generation is that Gene Roddenberry specifically said we can never have interpersonal conflict amongst the crew, mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of people find like Deep Space Mo- Deep Space Nine and some of the uh, set, you know the the later series to be more appealing because they were able to address things like racism in -hmm. the sense, racism and and tribalism, because uh, that those series were more of a departure from Gene Roddenberry's vision Mm -hmm. where, yeah, you know, Deep Space Nine, like you do have like interpersonal conflict because it's it's like thinly veiled, you know, race and tribal and cultural like conflict comes in of these people that are forced to work with each other on this space station and things like that. Whereas, you know, the next generation was a little bit glossed over, right. you know, with that stuff where it's like, oh, you know, we don't we don't we never have problems with each other. Well, obviously, co-workers of different backgrounds are definitely going to have problems with right. each other, so, right? especially if you're living on a ship. 24-7 for years and years and years oh, totally you're gonna have beef with some people right so,
0: right yeah and I, It's like I don't I don't think there's ever going to be a stage in evolution where human beings are going to move past Being irritated with each other. So
2: 100 percent 100 percent. I mean, I will say uh, the utopia of of Star Trek the next generation in that in the sense that there's no money
3: <laughs> there's
2: no poverty and everybody's basic needs are already met. So like we have replicators, nobody's hungry, nobody's wanting for food or the basic necessities of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you live in that, if we all lived in that society, suddenly like there would be way less interpersonal conflict because I'm like, if I don't have to worry about a roof over my head and food and water and clothing, sure. Like like, I I do really feel like, yeah, we'd all be way more chill. Yeah. I guess
0: you know if your biggest worry is being uh, thrown out of the airlock, then um, you're probably (laughs) focused on that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean that that would be a big worry. (laughs) Thrown out of the airlock, but you'd have to mess up pretty bad to get thrown out of the airlock.
0: Time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. Also, like, I don't know uh, if uh, I, I've been uh, watching a lot of films at Tribeca, um, you know, comedy specials as well. Yeah,
2: Um <laughs>
0: uh, But there's you a... You
2: mean like Well Hong?
0: <laughs> actually, yeah, now that you mention it. Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Recommended for anyone who's listening. <laughs> um, but there's a documentary about Reading Rainbow... Um, oh. that I watched, which is great, like you know, very emoche. Um, mm. but there's a chunk in it about LeVar Burton having to juggle his schedule when Next Generation started. Whoa. And there's a little bit of stuff about again about representation talking about the man who played Kunta Kinte being. Uh, in outer space as part of this crew whoopi goldberg um as well that like seeing these recognizable faces black people who are huge stars yeah participating in this show was just this revelation um
2: the whoopi goldberg thing is i love it so much because she had already like when the next generation started she had already like been like won an Oscar, mm. you know what I mean? Like, she was already like a huge star, right. and she kept reaching out to them, being like, I want to be part of the next Star Trek The Next Generation. And they thought she was kidding, mm. they were like, You don't know this huge movies and comedy star cannot possibly want to be part of our dinky little TV show. And then she was like, No, I legit want to be, and they were like, Oh. oh. Okay, and they wrote her (laughs) in, so she like just pushed her way in by sheer force of stardom, and that's that's my goal in life is to become (laughs) huge enough that I can just muscle my way into any Star Mm -hmm. Trek series that's coming out because it's my dream to be a cast member of a Star Trek series and to wear prosthetics and to wear crazy, you know yeah prosthetic me i'll sit yeah. in that chair for hours and hours <laughs> and give me like fer- ferengi forehead and Klingon ears or whatever like i'm i'm down yeah so uh that's like my goal is to just become a huge enough star to be like i am betting on star trek
0: <laughs> yeah. i think that's a solid career plan so you know let's make it happen yeah um yeah j- uh, uh another thing i mean this is uh silly aside another thing about that documentary is they there's just a tiny moment where they have an episode of reading rainbow that they go on to the star trek set and one of the special effects guys is explaining the very high-tech effects that they use when people are beaming in and out and it's like a beaker of water with <laughs> glitter thrown into it and they just swirl <laughs> it around and he's like you put in the sparkles and then it no, goes woo, that's <laughs> yeah
2: that's yeah. amazing. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I want, I'm looking forward to seeing that. that. Did that just premiere at Tribeca?
0: I think that was the premiere. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, seeing
2: that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really good. I love good. that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know until just now you told me that LeVar Burton was still doing Reading Rainbow when he was doing The Next Generation. That
0: Yeah. It was that a, must
2: have been crazy.
0: Right. It was a big thing. Like, he didn't stop. R- Reading Rainbow finished in, like, 2006.
2: Um, he kept going till then? Yeah. Yep. Whoa.
0: Yeah. And it only stopped because they were getting, you know, putting their progressive politics more and more on their sleeve oh. and doing episodes that were, you know, about homelessness, about, mm. you know, kids who have parents in uh, prison, all of those kinds of things. And oh. there was a huge. Uh, exactly. Hearing where Republicans decided they wanted to revoke public funding from them, and wow. the funding got cut and it had to stop. So
2: the worst. Yep. Yeah.
0: Agreed. We can't
2: expose, we can't expose children. No. To this. To reality. This, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. I. Mm. That's so crazy to me. Like I just had um, a 14-year-old kid in the front row of a show that i just did recently and if you've seen my special well Hong, please watch it by the way Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it yes i am not a clean comedian Mm -hmm. i am like i love cursing it's like my favorite activity so there's a lot of cursing there's a lot of like sexual content like i'm just basically ratchet like a ratchet bitch and i say that in a loving way yes yeah um but so, so, there, so, in the, so I'm at this live show, this is like literally this past weekend at my show in Washington, D.C. And this dad had brought all three of his kids and one of them was 14 and they were sitting in the front row and I was like doing all this ratchet material. And then I find out he's 14 and I'm like, is there anything that I have said today that you have never heard of? And he's like, nope. <laughs> and that's like, that, like what? what? Like, hello parents, your kids already know everything. Yeah, your kids have already your kids have like it, they have carte blanche on YouTube. Honestly, they can pull up Pornhub if you know what I mean? Behind your back like they've they already know everything. They've seen everything. They've heard everything. So if you're acting like you're shielding them from anything, uh, newsflash, you are not. Right. You're already like 10 years too late. And yeah. you can't. You cannot unless you literally revoke their internet and even if you did even if you revoked their internet guess what they're going to cousin bobby's or like but you know buddy like their friend down the you know down the block they all know everything so don't think you're trying to protect or shield children right you're just doing you're doing them a disservice
0: and it's uh you know going back to what you were saying about bedtimes and stuff that even pre-internet I think uh, parents trying to have really tight controls over the information that their children got, it was harder for kids to find everything in the world before the internet. But children are very resourceful. They have friends who don't have as many rules as they do. And they find a way. And they always have. They always will.
2: hundred (laughs) percent. I mean, I just, you know, like I remember finding condoms in my dad's allegedly locked file cabinet when I was ten, and not knowing what they were, just being like, "What are you know?" Like it was like one of those like str- like row of condoms, being like, "What is this?" And then kind of realizing, remembering that, and then years later being like, "Oh shoot, that's what they were," <laughs> you know what I mean? But you you can't, parents, come on. Yeah. The, the best thing you can do is to teach them and to help them make their own um, assessments and decisions about those things and help them understand because if you're not helping them understand, then who knows where they're getting their info. So
0: Right. And it's, you know, uh, refusing to talk to them about it doesn't prevent them from ever learning about it and it makes them less equipped correct. to deal with those issues when they confront them correct. in the real yeah. world.
2: This is stuff that I'm like facing head on because I'm now raising a kid, Mm. um, which is not my kid, but kind of my kid. Watch Mm. the special. (laughs) (laughs) I explain it all myself. I'm raising a child who did not exit my body anyway. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this is the kind of stuff that my sister and I are dealing with with our baby because let me tell you, my sister's philosophy about raising a kid comes. She's she's following this philosophy called RIE. R-I-E. I actually don't know what the what it stands for, but it's like more Montessori than Montessori. Mm. And the concept is like your kids are way smarter and more advanced and have way more understanding since birth than you than has ever been imagined than, than than people give them credit for. And it's true. Like we have a thirteen month old mm. and. We explain things, and we know exactly. Like he's already started, like pooping in his body, pooping in a little, like, yeah, because wow. he gets it. Because yeah. like my sister has this philosophy of like explaining things, and he totally gets it. At thirteen months, he has like comprehension and he understands things. And even though he may not necessarily have language, he totally gets it. So, yeah, like so, you know, if you think you're protecting your kids, you're not. Like, they have comprehension from birth. So, like, don't have conversations in front of them that you don't want them to hear because they get it. They are understanding.
0: Right, right. And, you know, just uh, absorbing information like sponges and it gets the capacity to absorb information and to understand things only gets greater as they grow up. That's right. Um, So trying to stifle that is stupid and a losing battle and doing them a disservice. right. Okay. So mm-hmm. parenting tips from the spark parade. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I uh I think it 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 does. I mean, bringing this back to Star Trek. Um the there all were All roads
2: lead back to Star Trek.
0: Uh, I I, I I believe that is the case. You don't
2: um want all... <laughs> Yeah. All um, all neutrinos lead back to Star Trek. <laughs>
3: yes. Yeah.
2: All photon torpedoes lead back to Star Trek. Okay,
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Um uh d- you know, th- that idea, at least in the original series, of not wanting to be too directly political or have too many uh parallels to things that were happening in the world, but also um, as you said, there has been this kind of evolution, and I think after Gene Roddenberry died in particular, that it was like he had very strict rules of yeah. how he saw the Star Trek universe. Yeah. And when he died, it in some ways – I mean, I know George Lucas isn't dead, but he sold Star Wars, and it, it – is you know they're very different properties but it's reminiscent to me that it's like it started out as this one very strict confined thing and now that it's out of its creator's hands it's you know it grown exponentially and there's all of these other possibilities that hadn't been explored before that are now being explored which i think is kind of cool
2: yeah yeah and it's like you know, I just went to the Star Trek convention, and, you know, I feel like amongst the fandom, there's always, like, a battle, like, which one's the best Star Trek, and it's mm-hmm. like, why does there have to be a best one? Right. Like, there's one for everybody. Yeah. You know, there are people who are obsessed with the original series. I personally can't watch the original series a lot because of the misogyny. It really, mm-hmm. like, rubs me the wrong way, and it's, like, so old school to me. I'm just like, oh, my God. So, uh, but there, but that doesn't, I'm like, Hey, more power to you. If that's the one you love. And then my favorite is the next generation because I was like, it's baked in my DNA. It's like what I was literally raised on as a little kid. And so that to me is like, will always be my favorite. And then there are people who are like deep space nine is the best one. And then there are people who love the new ones, like discovery, Mm -hmm. you know, and Picard and there are those people. And I'm like, great. Right. Let there be a Star Trek for everybody. Like, keep making them. You know, we love it. Just just keep making them. I love the property. I love the brand. I just love, I love what it stands for. So, yeah, just keep making them. Strange New Worlds is so fun. Mm. It's, you know, it's nothing like The Next Generation, but it's super fun. So, yeah, just keep making them.
0: Yeah. And like you said, I think making room for all different kinds of, I mean, you know, Uh, We're talking about broader themes in this respect as well, but making room for all kinds of people, all kinds of stories, and, um, you know. All
2: kinds of species in the galaxy.
0: Exactly. Just (laughs) limitless opportunities. Um, I think limitless opportunities is a lovely note on which to finish. Um, This has been so much fun. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. My special is called Well Hong.
0: Yes congratulations it's on on
2: amazon prime youtube and apple tv plus and i talk about uh i don't talk about star trek but i do talk about this baby that i'm raising that is not my baby kind of uh i talk about the pandemic i talk about asian american stuff yeah
0: it's great i can vouch for you (laughs) thank you yes um well thank you this has been absolutely fantastic i really appreciate you making time for me All right. Live long and (laughs) prosper.
2: Yes. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks.
0: That was so, so, so fun. Thanks again to Helen for chatting with me. Uh, Her new special, Well Hong, is available on demand right now. So check it out. And that's about it from me this week. I'll be off next week for the 4th of July because there are so many things to celebrate in this country right now. Right? Uh, Anyway, have a fun 4th of July if you're celebrating it. Have a great week regardless. And until next time, bye-bye.